1972, a crack commando unit was sent to prison by a military court for a crime they didn't commit. These men promptly escaped from a maximum security stockade to the Los Angeles underground. Today, still wanted by the government, they survive as soldiers of fortune. If you have a problem, if no one else can help, and if you can find them, maybe you can hire the A-Team. I know we make jokes a lot about, like, how this podcast, probably more than any podcast, has more conversations about the starting <laughs> of this podcast than any other podcast, but my god, this was a fucking nightmare to get started. Um, Definitely. But uh, we had some we had some microphone uh, problems, no idea what that was about or what caused that. Then we had some video call problems. <laughs> No idea what that was about, but we got that sorted. So now we're here. We're here, finally. This is going <laughs> to sound like I've already lost my mind. But, yeah. Welcome it's to because, listeners. It's because this has been like 45 minutes of trying to record. It's just a bunch <laughs> of unnecessary bullshit getting in the way. Until finally, here we are, Danny. Here we are. So let's get right into it because I feel like we've already been recording for forty five minutes. <laughs> uh, oh, right, well, what's up, people of Peopleton? Welcome to Second Opinion Movie Podcast. I'm your host, Danny Jones, co-hosting. The the man who was caught for a crime he didn't commit. Scott Morrison. The man who always has a plan. Uh I was gonna try and uh change up the intro. A little bit. I was going to do a little riff. A little riff on the, the classic right. A-Team intro. Um, I can't remember the exact ins and outs of when we started recording this pod. Like, not recording this episode. I mean, that was <laughs> a millennia ago. <laughs> but um, when we started actually doing this podcast. What was it? Like seven years ago? Six years ago? Really? That long? I suppose so. No, maybe not as long as that. Five years no, ago? No, I'd say it was four years. No, I think it was four, four years, years ago. Four years ago. Yeah. Seven yeah. years ago is very long. Yeah, I don't think we knew each other seven years ago, did we? <laughs> we'll go Maybe. four. Maybe. Four, four sounds good. Four years ago, two film students started a podcast talking about movies. No, I fucked it already. Because <laughs> I didn't write it down. <laughs> We're building to it. Uh, four, movies we didn't release. Does four, that work? Four years ago, two film students sat in a bar right. and came up with the idea for a podcast. These men promptly purchased two snowball microphones and proceeded to record podcasts about movies from one of their bedrooms. Today, still doing that, but over Zoom, they survive as podcasters of fortune. If you have a problem, <laughs> if no one else can help, and if you can find them, maybe you can hire someone more relevant to your problem because we'll not be much help unless it's to talk about <laughs> movies, specifically the A-Team movie from 2011, maybe 10. <laughs> 10. 2010. 10. The 10-year 10 anniversary. That's why we're here. 
<laughs> we did it, everyone. We we got to ten years after the eighteen was released. <laughs> day that we've been counting down to for a whole decade now. The world has lived in the warm embrace of Joe Carnahan's The A Team from 2010. <laughs> um, yeah, what a time. What a time we live it. Thank God, you know, Danny, you know, just always, when life gets you down, just always be grateful that you were born at the, at the same time <laughs> that Joe Carnahan's The A Team from you could have been born at the same time as dinosaurs, but you weren't. You weren't. You were born at the same time. Instead, you as were the born at the, born at the same time as this work of art. Um, yeah. So basically, we've we've kind of wanted to do this episode for a long time, I guess. Uh, yeah. Because you know, me me and you definitely have affinities for like. Or not odd movies. I guess just like movies that it's like, why did why do people care? Why do you care? <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, I think like the big one. I think the big one <laughs> yeah. for us is like our our our. our... But then it, like this, what I mean, it's like I don't know if this would count. Like I feel like a big one for us is our huge admiration and respect for the Fast and Furious franchise. Um, yes, which me and you, upon the release of every single entry into that franchise, are their day fucking one. <laughs> <laughs> to see what, of course, to see what Vin Diesel uh, and and the gang are all up to. Obviously, uh, huge uh, excitement swept our fair city a couple of years ago when they actually shot parts of Hobbs and Shaw, the Fast and Furious spinoff, in Glasgow yeah. city centre. They made it look like London, which is fine. Yeah, it's closer at home than when they shot World War Z here and said it was Philadelphia. <laughs> You know, London's a little bit close home. That was strange. But it's still weird as fuck when Idris Elba gets out of that car and in the background you can see the Glasgow College building, but they've CGI'd out the People Make Glasgow slogan that's on the <laughs> side of that building. <laughs> um, I remember the the stranger one being that like they go around a corner of a Glasgow street and then they're at Piccadilly Circus. Um, yeah, <laughs> and you're like, uh, no. <laughs> if you go that round that corner in real life, you do not end up at Piccadilly Circus. <laughs> well, I actually watched. I weirdly enough, last week I watched uh, Doomsday. Have you ever seen that? Neil, Neil Marshall's Doomsday. Doomsday. Uh, so it's remember. a film. It's like a post-apocalyptic kind of film set in Scotland, uh, where there was a viral outbreak, but they managed to contain it within Scotland. But now Scotland has kind of descended into okay. uh, cults and tribes and everyone's like a crazy punk looking guy. Oh, that's, that's also a murderer. I've not it's, seen this, no. It's, it's dumb fun that kind of came out, you know, at like the same time as like the early-ish res and evil movies and things like that. Um, but I watched it recently and a big chunk of it is, in quotation marks, set in Glasgow. Um which obviously again it's like living in the city it's like it's it's just that thing that i'm sure everybody gets when they watch a movie that is is set in their city where you look at it and you go well that doesn't make any sense where they are in relation to these other things yeah um the bit in particular that stood out to me is uh at one point they shout we need to meet at the train station on queen street 
And I was like, oh, of course, they're referring to the the, the world famous Queen Street Station, <laughs> the, 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 <laughs> the gem of our city centre. Um, and uh, they're running down a street that looks nothing like any street that I've ever been on in Glasgow. And then they <laughs> turn to run into Queen Street Station. But the the entrance to it is kind of like like if you've been to London, like the the un, like the London Underground entrances, they're always just kind of like you know, always just little 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 kind of entrance things. You know what I mean? Like in the side of a building. Yeah, it's one of those. But obviously, Queen Street okay. Station in reality is like a fucking giant train station smack bang in the center <laughs> of Glasgow. So it was just very bizarre to see, um, and it's kind of just. A lot of the moments that are set in Glasgow city centre, they're driving down streets of just rows and rows and rows of tenement, like housing, like tenement flat buildings. Um, yeah. Because I guess nothing says more Glasgow than a tenement flat. Um, I mean, we bo- we both <laughs> we both live in we both live in them, so. <laughs> um, exactly. But anyway. So the A-team, we, yeah, basically what I was trying to get at is that we have a weird affection for this movie. We always have. Um, I Hmm. remember being wildly excited when it was coming out for no apparent reason, because I didn't give a (laughs) shit about the A-team. Like, the A-team wasn't a thing that I cared about. I don't think I'd ever even seen an episode. I think there's, like, different reasons that I was excited for this movie, which we'll get into. Um... But yeah, so we thought we'd do a little episode on it. Uh, this is not at all the way we wanted to do it. We wanted to be in the same room, popping a bottle of champagne. Yeah. <laughs> we wanted streamers, <laughs> party poppers. Really celebrating. Um, but instead, we're doing it over Zoom uh, with our bad microphones and our camera quality is a little bit choppy. So even though we'll sound crystal clear to you guys, there might be some, 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 there might be some weird stopping and starting because our camera quality is not great but we're gonna try and soldier on much like our dear sweet soldiers of fortune the 18 <laughs> brought it back so i guess this is just gonna be a fun little retrospective on a movie that no one cares about and left no almost... even that even the director and the cast members don't think about this film anymore yeah a, a movie that made such little cultural impact that it's almost never spoken about or referenced and like you said it's like i don't even know if the cast and crew remember working on it um but yeah uh, i thought it'd be fun so we both rewatched it uh this is the first time yes. i've seen it admittedly in quite a long time uh how, how long yeah it me since too. you saw it i don't know probably because I, I I got the Blu-ray, the extended cut. Did you watch the yeah. extended cut? <laughs> no, I didn't. I only watched the theatrical. <laughs> but I, because, like, <laughs> it was like the middle of the day on, a, on like a Tuesday afternoon that I watched it. And I was just like, I looked at the extended cut and I was like, oh, 15 more minutes. It's already, this is already <laughs> going to be on to like half six. <laughs> so I just watched the regular one. Did you watch the theatrical cut? Well... Uh, I, oh, sorry, the I, cut. I watched the extended cut, although I, 
I was about halfway through it and I was like, some of these scenes are dragging. And then I was like, oh yeah, that's probably because I'm wearing, watching the extended cut. I should, I feel like in hindsight, I should have put on the theatrical cut. I feel like that was, that's the version that's supposed to have been seen. The extended cut's just for the <laughs> hardcore fans like us. Well, that's yeah, just for I... some extra patter, like filler. <laughs> but I do sometimes wonder with an extended cut of something like the A-Team, if because if you're saying that, that the extra stuff that they added was kind of dragging a little bit and probably didn't seem all that relevant, that doesn't then strike me as like, oh, well, Joe Carnahan thought that the film was incomplete without these scenes. That strikes me as this hmm. movie didn't make a lot of money in the cinema. So in order to get people to buy it on Blu-ray, we need to give them some kind of incentive to buy it. What if we say yeah. that there's an extended cut? <laughs> you know what I mean? Exactly. Well, I mean, I guess that's the difference between an extended cut and a director's cut, isn't it? Like, it's yeah. it's uh, it's not necessarily it's, what the director yeah, like, wanted. It's just, like, fun. It's like, yeah, it's like some of those movies that, like, it sells you on the Blu-ray because this is the R-rated cut. Like, but what you saw in the cinema, that was that's for little kiddies. If you want to yeah. watch that, go to your sandbox and watch it. But if you really want to watch an adult <laughs> film... Watch this version of The Hangover with more swearing, violence, and nudity. Oh, it's going to be great. Buy it, please. Exactly. The, a director's cut uh, is, you know, uh, a more enhanced version of the director's initial vision for the film. An extended cut is just longer. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't necessarily matter um, how or... what what is in it to make it longer, but you best believe... Yeah. Those 16 minutes are crucial to your enjoyment of this movie. Or, if you're Zack Snyder, those extra two hours are crucial to your oh, interpretation it. of the Justice League. Well, that that's going to be the director's cut to end all director's cuts. Um, <laughs> but let's not get into that. We've already talked to them about that to death on this podcast. Um, so, I guess, like, why is it, like, like what is it that that, that kind of got you about the the 18 movie like what is it that you have like well, a, a kind of affinity for or like why were you ex like were you excited for it when it was coming out or did you just see it and be like that was great and enjoy it from there like <laughs> no i was excited for it because i have a uh like a, a nostalgia for the 18 i like um obviously i wasn't around when it was first released but i remember watching reruns of it um when i was little I remember, um, I remember my dad used to watch uh, reruns of, like, I think it was free shows, which I had my own name for because I was too little to remember their names. One was the Mr. Uh, T show, which was the A Team. One was the Talking and, and also show, a spin off, and also Knight a spin off talk show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and one of them was the Green Man show, which was the the original Incredible Hulk. There were the free shows I remember watching like episodes of, and it's weird because they all feel the same in my head because they're all about people walking, like going, traveling through deserts and mm. quarries and stuff, and like fighting bad guys. So I had like a nostalgia for it, and like as when the A Team trailer came out, I remember picking up, I picked up the DVD of the first season of the original A Team show because I hadn't seen it since I was really really little, and that was where the a lot of the excitement came out of because it was like rediscovering this thing that I only had vague memories of. I couldn't really remember anything specific about it. I just remember watching it a lot and really liking Mr. T. Mm. Um, 
and then like I rewatched some of the show and I was like got back into it and then like then it was like the trailer was out for the A team and it's coming and it's got this fucking incredible cast of people and it looks exciting and action packed. That's what I was hyped to go see the A team. I was excited. Yeah. And so you didn't see as a fan of the show, you didn't look at the trailer and see uh like a tank parachuting from the sky and think like that's not that's not my team that's not what i'm here for (laughs) i i feel like if the original a team could have done that they would have i don't feel like they were above being ridiculous yeah (laughs) i just think there was slight budgetary budgetary constraints of um, throwing tanks up into the sky yeah see i've never i i've seen like a couple episodes i think it's all early episodes and i think i watched them around the time the movie was coming out um i i think that the Hmm. i think the reason i was excited for the movie was a lot to do with uh shartlo copley who plays murdoch um because in two in 2009 there'd been a little movie little movie called district nine and let me tell you something to fucking like how old would i have been like 17 something like that like i thought district nine was the shit like i thought it was the film yeah nothing could beat district nine i thought it was incredible and i was just like i want to see what everyone involved in this is doing next especially (laughs) that guy um and so i think when i saw it coming out and he was one of the main characters and oh he was playing like this this crazy over the top character and i just remember being like so excited to see what he was doing next but on top of that it also just looked like so much fun the whole again it's that whole thing of like yeah the tank falling from the sky all that kind of stuff i was just like i'm into this i'm into how goofy this looks i can't wait um and yeah and look at us now 10 years on celebrating um, <laughs> celebrating the 10th the, something the cast aren't even doing celebrating yeah. the 10th anniversary okay i don't know where we'll edit out that last bit so i guess acknowledge some technical difficulties there was we had a little connection problem there yeah yeah it's it's fine We're, we'll get it under control i can kind of hear myself talking back whenever i finish talking but it's fine i'll just ignore myself um what i was gonna say was how would you feel if i was like oh actually the the a-team cast does care a lot and that's why they've all agreed to be here today and then it was just like (laughs) the entire cast just like appeared on our screens like uh in a zoom call with us (laughs) i'd say i'd say scott that we do not have the uh the technical (laughs) technical range to be able to do something like that i'm afraid (laughs) yeah it's nothing to do with the fact that we're we have absolutely no clout in regards to getting (laughs) the likes of liam neeson and bradley cooper on a zoom call with us it's definitely the technical side of things otherwise they would have loved to be here (laughs) yeah obviously they're actually sat at home wanting to join the podcast but Um, it's just this damn internet okay so i guess like uh i guess the way i think to do it is talk about how we felt about it on like this watch and then we'll just like get into the film and we'll just you know talk the way we usually talk about it um so yeah this was the first time i'd seen this in a long time like i don't think i'd watched it since i don't know maybe like 2012 or 13 maybe like at push Hmm. um 
so i think yeah i just had like all these obviously like very very like fond memories of it and stuff like that watching it yesterday i still had that a lot i think until after everyone escapes uh sorry after the tank parachute sequence right um then i think it starts to become a little bit too like generic action movie of the 2010s yeah you know okay how did you yeah i can see what you're saying how did you feel about it on on this on this this fresh viewing i um i do think that the the second half isn't as strong as the first half i think the problem with the second half is that's when it gets wrapped up in its own story yeah and i was realizing watching this watching it through this time that the a-team story is needlessly convoluted right so it's so hard to keep up with Uh, even as a person who'd already watched it i was struggling to keep up with it so i found that too a lot and apparently danny i was doing some research and apparently we're not we're not the only people who found it confusing uh apparently the main man liam neeson also found it confusing (laughs) um i think in 2012 he he in it during an interview he he they were talking about the a-team and he said that at the time two and a half months ago he had rewatched it and he said he was quoted as saying i didn't even understand what was going on and i was in the thing (laughs) (laughs) that is that is funny (laughs) and uh and the best thing about that interview is he didn't bring up trying to kill a black person. So, well, that's like, yeah, that, that's it was a much smoother cha- time back in 2012. The bar was low. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess like, so how do we do it? Do you want to? Do you want to? I guess in order to talk about that, we should talk about the plot. Like, we we should try yeah. and pitch the plot as best we can. Can you, Danny, pitch the plot of the A Team? What happens in this movie? So the A-Team are a unit of um, soldiers who are tasked to steal these money press um, to make American money uh, on a covert mission by the military. Um, But then the person who sent them on those mission, he blew up. And now it seems like... (laughs) What a way to to, do that synopsis. (laughs) Uh, I, I'd be great in a meeting, and then he blows. And then up. he blows like, up. I can imagine that. We'll get back to that. <laughs> he was in a car. I suppose it was the car that really blew up. In my head, he blew up. His name was Morrison. There you go. Yeah, Connection. that's true. Well, that's yeah. Um, so, uh, so it seems like they just stole it for the money. Um, so they get sent to prison. They escape prison, and they have to try and figure out where the plates are, who sent them to prison, and what's going on now um that's that i think the main thing that's confusing about this plot though is that it deals with the film is truly clearly trying to go for like at the bureaucracy of like american defense Mm. because there's three divisions you have to keep track of there's the cia run by lynch there's um morrison who's in charge of the army and there's jessica beale's character who's from the dod and each department seems to have their own motivation mm. for doing something. And that is quite convoluted for a action film. And I think that's why the second half of the film gets 
really complicated because it's only in the second half of the film that you really have to worry about all this. In the first half, they're just escaping from prison and they're trying to avoid the law. And you're like, right, okay, I get this. But when it starts going now, let's get into the plot. You're suddenly like, wait, what's happening? Who's this guy? Why does this guy want this guy? Is this guy working with this guy? And I think the biggest thing they end up ruining is the plot twist. So the plot twist, spoilers if you haven't seen the A-Team, and after 10 years are still considering watching it. Yeah, which you will be after our fucking 20-minute intro about how great it was. Um, Turns out General Morrison didn't blow up and he set the A-Team up. Um, but I think the problem with that plot twist is by the, by the time you get to it, it's so convoluted and you've kind of forgotten about General Morrison. He's a big deal, deal to the characters, but he's not a big deal to you. You saw him in like one scene before and you're like, okay, is that okay? I guess that's bad. <laughs> you're sort of, you're too remote from the plot to appreciate the plot twist. Yeah. I, if that makes I, sense. I did think when I was watching it and uh, the pull the bag off the, the the prisoner's head and oh it's it's general morrison i did think for a moment i was like if if i was just your average show watching this in the cinema and i'm not me who's seen it a bunch of times like if i'm just watching this in the cinema for the first time like would i remember who that is because he's only in like yeah. one scene well, at the beginning of the movie <laughs> The director must have been uh, cautious about this because in when it does reveal General Morrison was behind it all, it does give you a little flashback yeah. to the swan scene he was in. <laughs> yeah, like, there must, I reckon, I reckon that was a post decision. Like, ah, uh, I'm a bit scared. No one will remember who I, it is. But I, Just stick a frame in from the original scene. I did wonder if, in regards to that, they were starting to to think that either the audience was stupid or that they'd be struggling to keep up because in the final sequence. Um, Bradley Cooper's character Face has this whole idea where they're gonna, uh, you know, it's a whole convoluted thing where they're gonna put people inside these storage containers and they're gonna move them around, much like you would do with like a ball under a cup trick, you know, where you'd like yeah. you put the ball under the cup and you move it, and that's the example he gives. And during the the final sequence, they flash back to Bradley Cooper pitching this plan. I, I think hmm. twice. And I was like, this literally happened like seven minutes ago. Like, why are you flashing back to this already? Like, we literally sat and watched him explain the whole plan. Like, you don't need to keep cutting back to this fucking ball under the cup thing to be like, yeah, see, this is it, that, but bigger. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I do. Like, because the plan isn't even that complicated at the end. It's just, if we make a lot of chaos... The uh, agent Lynch is going to be so confused; he's going to do something irrational. That's kind of yeah. That's that's the plan at the end, but they do make it seem a lot more convoluted than it is. Yeah, and I think um, I think that's yeah. the it's. I think Lynch in particular is that the aspect of it I find most complicated because he hires them to get. Well, he he you know he tries to convince them to get the plates, and then. Later on, he breaks them out of prison to get the plates again. But then it Hmm. turns out that he wants to kill the A-team while they have the plates. But then also halfway through the film as well, like Agent Lynch starts acting really cringy and weird. Yeah. So for for, for anyone, maybe we're kind of losing people in regards to this plot and stuff. But like uh, one of the main antagonists is a character called Lynch who 
is kind of the head of or one of the heads of the cia he works for the cia hmm. um <clears throat> and he ends up becoming the main antagonist he's the one who wants to uh kill the you know set up the a-team for stealing these plates that will print money all this kind of stuff um and yeah i think halfway through the so for the first half of the movie all the scenes that he's in he's just kind of a normal guy and then halfway Mm. through the film there's just like a a kind of scene where him where he's just acting really like he's just acting like very aloof and very like serious things are happening but he's just like saying funny little things about like oh man that that police car going past a flat give that a wee second um yeah like uh he's like oh that drone strike that was just like that was crazy that was like call of duty dude like whoa that's and i'm like what is this like what are they what are they what are they doing (laughs) with this character now and i got very confused and i was like is he meant to be a different character like who what's happening and then i thought he wanted the plates so why does he want to blow them up while they have the plates because then the plates will be destroyed as well like there's just so much i was confused by yeah for someone who's seen this Uh, movie a bunch i really didn't appreciate how complicated it complicated it actually is until i watched it yesterday because uh, they, they as i say the the film wants to attack the bureaucracy of like american defense and one of the ways it wants to do it is to frame agent lynch as a as a sort of what's the word he's a middle management type he doesn't understand how the actual work gets done he just sends commands and that's kind of um like is reflected in his relationship with Pike, which is another character who you have to keep track of, who seems to disappear, reappear. Pike, he's a henchman. He's a thug. He knows how to shoot someone in the head. But Lynch, he's the paperwork guy. He tells you who to shoot in the head. He doesn't know how to shoot people in the head. And that's what they're trying to frame Lynch as. He's he's a bureaucracy guy. He's a middle management. And uh, that's why he's like, that explosion, that's like Call of Duty because he's so distant from the action. Yeah. Um, which is a cool idea, but as you say, it is only introduced halfway through halfway the film. Halfway through the film, yeah. For the first half, he's portrayed as, yeah, just your very standard kind of competent CIA agent. And um, yeah. yeah, it's it's just such a sudden change to, like I said, I was like, are we supposed to be getting a reveal that he's not part of the FBI? Or like, is this a different character? And that's like, I was just very confused by his whole character um uh, but yeah we're getting bogged down in, in lynch who fucking <laughs> um so yeah here what i kept thinking was like obviously i think the most fun stuff is yeah up to the end of the tank sequence i think that's where the film is at its best it's where it's at its silliest yeah. it's where i think the characters have the best dynamic that I was like, I almost kind of wish that that opening sequence, that the film had just more kind of been an expansion of that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah, just this more kind of lower stakes, which kind of is what the show was, from my understanding. Yeah. The show was very much, I mean, you watched it, so you'll probably be better just talking about this than me, but the show was very much like, uh, a kind of monster of the week thing where every week they were rolling into somewhere and there was a problem and some people were being hard done by and the A-team put together a plan they built a like a, a, a magnet out of like shoelaces and that helped them solve the problem uh, and then they just rolled out of town onto the next mission you know? Yeah. Um, 
and so I almost kind of wish that this film like focused on that side of things more instead of getting so deep into uh like the, the a spy the, thriller getting so deep into like a spy thriller and the the, the aspect of like that they were set up um yeah and hard done by and all those kind of things <laughs> rather than just sticking to the kind of more goofy fun stuff that i think like people who like the a-team like that's why they were there anyway um yeah. and so that's why i really think like the second half kind of falls apart it not falls apart that's it falls apart a little bit i really kind of did realize yesterday that i was like this wasn't as good as i remembered it being like <laughs> so for like i think like one of the most disappointing things of the final sequence is that the characters aren't given equal things to do like they're meant to be the yeah. team and they're meant to work together yet hmm. murdoch does nothing more than be a decoy he's in a suit yeah and he's got his his metal head on so that when lynch goes to shoot morrison oh he's actually shot a decoy and it's murdoch and he had armor on so it's all good um and i was like that's it like you're talking about you like that character is the best helicopter pilot in the world yeah and like you couldn't find something more exciting for him to do than just you be couldn't a put decoy? him in any sort of aircraft. Yeah, um, and I found that like particularly disappointing was the fact that hmm. yeah they weren't kind of given they weren't all kind of given the spotlight at some point in that final sequence. Um, yeah, and it does kind of become like much more the Hannibal show than anything else. Yeah, you know what I mean Hannibal and face because I think and I get like in terms of the first half. Which I feel like I feel like yeah genuinely if we were to talk about this movie up to the end of the tank sequence I'd be like it's one of the best action movies I've ever seen I love it <laughs> um, I yeah. think it is just that se- that last like fifty minutes kind of lets it down a bit so but like to praise this movie because that's what we're here for I want to praise it about some stuff before we get bogged down in the in the bad stuff for that first half the dynamic between the four characters I think is what makes the film work best yes i don't yeah i don't know necessarily if like everyone would agree with us but like i really do think that they all have like a great chemistry together and you kind of feel like they kind of feel like a version of the a-team like you feel like you've been watching them on screen for years in in a way um and i don't know if that's just that i think like the the kind of banterous writing between the the four of them is is really well done or if they all just genuinely like inhabit those characters quite naturally. I, I, I think it helps that I remember reading at the time that um, they were all up for doing a sequel because they loved doing the film. Mm-hmm. So I feel like they were having a good time, which helps with their dynamic. Yeah. Um, I do like the writing of their interactions because there is such a, <laughs> there is obviously like BA being like shouting at Murdoch and, um murdoch doing crazy things and face trying to react to things and hannibal trying to focus and there is a there is a sort of dysfunctional family dynamic to them that yeah. like was in the original show um except it's like turned up to max turned up to 11 for this film and it like really gives the action scenes like this kinetic energy of chaos yeah like you really feel like hannibal is like holding on to everything by just like the tips of his fingertips 
uh, and is only just getting through these situations. But yet somehow, be- because of their dynamic being chaotic and like they are friends, it does. You do feel like yeah, he's he's got it. He's a fine. Everyone's gonna be fine because they 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 do love each other. They're like in in control of the situation just about. Yeah, I think like a scene that um capture that the most is when they steal the <clears throat> steal the plane with the tank in it yeah and it's when they're going to take off and ba Brackus is like freaking out about it and murdoch's just fucking with him and just pretending he doesn't <laughs> know what he's doing and he keeps being like he like hits a button and he's like oh what does this do and it like turns the edge and he's like oh lucky guess and stuff like that and i was like that's like really funny because in the heat of all this action there's still that crazy kinetic energy between the four of them yeah um which is what i think makes it so exciting um but um yeah should we should we break down the characters um the the main four we can do Um, yeah i the the last thing i was gonna say the last little note i had about the four of them in general was what you were saying earlier about um the whole kind of uh you know it's an attack on bureaucracy all that kind of stuff is for the first chunk of it it really does kind of feel like it does feel like there's that there's points in the movie where it does feel like your average kind of iraq uh like fbi thriller kind of movie that they've just dropped these four cartoon characters into (laughs) yeah and again that's the kind of aspect of it i like the most um but yeah let's talk about the a-team like let's talk about the characters um so hannibal smith um i think uh the casting is so good he's better than the original i would say like george george papad's like portrayal of hannibal smith for the tv show liam neeson like brings this character brings some sort of he brings like grit to him but still keeps him as this fantastical mm. like bonkers like planning five steps ahead general who you totally believe in even if all the action sequences are nonsense and chaos yeah i've never i've like i said i don't really know much about the tv show i don't really remember much about it so i can't really speak to that um but i agree wholeheartedly with like what you're saying about him i the first note i have that I took down was Hannibal's intro is incredible. Like the when he's tied up. Yeah, that is such a, a great introduction to that character where you have him like, oh they, they go to shoot him with his own gun. Doesn't have a firing pin. So they're like, oh this fucking idiot brought a gun without a firing pin. We'll let the dogs on him. That's fine. They walk out the room. He slides the firing pin from like hidden up his sleeve, undoes his handcuffs backs into the shadows the dogs run after him and then the dogs run back out of the shadows and they've been handcuffed together at the collar and, oh yeah. and then he also what is it it's like when the guys come running back in he quickly puts the fucking firing pin back in the gun and then shoots them and it's like <laughs> what a way to make some like and again it's very cartoony very over the top the whole movie is that goes without saying but like it's just such a great way to introduce a character who's meant to be like the ultimate yeah. fucking badass i love it yeah you feel like he has a plan like he's planned this situation like him being in the seat that was part of the plan him being like it's stuck stuck in the seat and um these guys trying to kill him yeah all part of the plan i love um because obviously that's his whole thing i love it when a plan comes together mm. it's all part of the plan they really 
they really lean into that for that opening sequence. Like, they dance around that line. They tease you with that line. Yeah. So many times to where, like, oh, it's all part of the plan. You just gotta have a plan. Da-da-da. Plans, plans, plans. Um, and at first it felt it felt like that kind of thing. You know, like, where in, in all the recent Spider-Man movies, they never want to say, with great power comes great responsibility. You know what I mean? Yes. It was feeling like that. But then they just fucking... They just give you it. They just give you the big like close up on his face. And he's lighting the cigar and everyone's laughing and he delivers the line and it's great. Um, it's like a great kind of payoff when you kind of are starting to get the sense that you're not going to get the line. You know what I mean? Yeah. How did you feel? It's a good bill. How did you feel about them almost kind of like blowing a lot of the A-team references in the opening sequence? um so the 18 the opening sequence is almost the closest to like uh, an episode yeah. isn't it mm-hmm. except um except it's not an episode they're meeting for the first time um i, I guess it's the, the most they could have done it because it's like a global film it's all, all over like the van is in the beginning well yeah this is what i was um, going to say like in terms of specifics like you have the van which is the big hmm. one which they drop something on top of uh, and destroy it and that's it the van never comes back which i think is one of the big disappointments um yeah. the van never comes back you also have yeah the kind of i love it when a plan comes together line um you also have uh the fact that in the opening sequence they are shooting but nobody actually gets hit like they don't yeah. you don't see them kill anyone which again is like a big thing of that show was that mm. I think only like one person actually gets shot in that show and it's in like the very first episode. Oh really? I don't or something even like remember that. that. Um Yeah. It's like a whole big thing of like you never really saw anybody get shot because it was for TV and stuff. And so they, they use that reference as well. And also even just the music, they use the theme a lot in that opening twenty minutes and then don't ever really use it again properly. The only other time it gets used is when they're breaking Hannibal at a prison and they play the movie on the projector and it's just a movie they made out. It's yes. The Great Escape 2 or, or The Greater Escape, which is fucking <laughs> yeah. ridiculous. And the music is playing, which made me question, did they... Is that is The Greater Escape a movie in this universe that uses that theme song? Or did they make that little video to play for murdoch knowing that they were going to break through the wall that's one of those because the, the plans in this movie they have a lot of coincidences like everything goes very oh, according yeah. to plan all the time um absurd coincidences but that one in particular i was just like wait so i was like did they did they all like hang out in the desert for like half an hour and like shoot this car like coming towards <laughs> them and stuff or or is this a movie in this universe that has this music like i why- i question why um they had to wait until the car drives up to the screen in the movie before they crash through the wall. Yeah. Also, how do you uh, time I question, that? I, I question how you time that, but I also question why bother? Yeah. <laughs> why bother even with the movie? Just get Murdoch to go in that room and burst through the wall. Because then <laughs> the, it's, not, uh, the it's, other stuff. it's not fun and cinematic, is it? Is it? <laughs> <laughs> because they add like 3D glasses to that scene. All of the psychiatric patients are wearing 3D glasses. And I wondered if that was like a... Because 3D was quite big at the time. Was that sort of like a little yeah. dig? It's like, ah, you, you don't want a 3D film. We're, like, we're better than a 3D film. We're pure <laughs> action. 
I wondered if that was that was being worked into the plot. Yeah, but like, yeah. So do you do you, do you what? How do you feel about that? Like the fact that they do kind of like throw everything at the wall for that first twenty minutes, as if to like get it all out of the way, and then it's like now we can make our movie, which is all about conspiracies yeah, and it's. Yeah, I guess that there's the advantage of it is that they they like they have all the prequel stuff because it's it's weird that there's like the A team has a, a meet cute at the beginning of this yeah. film because like the the it's one of those sort of like sort of like the solo story um, from Star Wars where it's like you didn't need that I mean I didn't mind it actually I thought it kind of worked for the goofy tone of this film but you know they met in the military like that was that that, that was all yeah. that, the extent of it had to be it's kind of weird that they made this huge sequence for them to meet um and i suppose it's kind of getting all those prequel things out the way which i you at least appreciate um like you don't have to watch the whole film and then suddenly halfway through the film you stop and go oh look hannibal it's that cigar you always smoke from this is where <laughs> you bought it it turns out this is where you bought that box of cigars so you don't actually for the rest of the film you don't have any of that sort of stuff. So I guess there's that. I, I like that the fan service is like right. The fan service is done. Now let's make our movie. Mm. A movie that it kind of isn't as good as the, <laughs> the stuff that has all the fan service in it. Okay, who who else do we have in this this ragtag group? Who do you want to talk about next? We've got Face, to- um, played by Bradley Cooper. Yeah, Face Man, the Face Man. So okay, so how you? I guess yeah same as hannibal like you've seen the show like how do you feel about his performance he's a he's a i I like his cast i think that that there's a big difference between face man face man in the original is more of a an eye-rolling straight man character like Mm. oh what 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 are we situation are we in here now but like bradley cooper i he really i really like the way he brings like the sort of fun because he does that he does that thing where action films can do it and it can it can not work where there's a sense of like in the action sequence there's it's like how crazy is all of this yeah. you know look how crazy we are da, 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 da. we're so crazy um but i think bradley cooper sells it by making it seem like he's having just an extraordinary amount of fun in yeah each like the bit the bit where he's like in the tank and he's trying to shoot down the the um uh the drones i like the way he's like ba i'm being a bit hot in here i'm gonna pop a window and he's yeah like, oh, and he's like, what you got mm-hmm. it's like it should be it should be like too self-aware too sort of indulgent but bradley cooper's like the way he's having fun with it is just makes you just like oh this is this is this is fun no totally like i i kind of really got into how into himself he is you know what I mean? Yeah. Like he kind of seems to be like his biggest fan, um, <laughs> and I, I. But I kind of got into that because it's not. It doesn't feel like in like a douchey egotistical way. It fe- it always feels like very funny. Like the sequence where he goes to prison yeah. and he has made prison, <laughs> like his ideal setting is hilarious because it's like of course this guy would. He's like charismatic. He's hot as fuck. Like he knows how to talk <laughs> his way out of situations and stuff like that. So it's like yeah, it makes sense that he's turned this into like his little bachelor pad um i actually think his prison breakout is the the funniest one i love that like like he gets in the tanning bed and hannibal just fucking loads it up and rolls it away um (laughs) like that was great um i i something i did pick up on that really i feel like sells how egotistical this character is but also potentially that the 
this bit of the film may have been scrambled together at the last second. Um, there's a scene where the uh, DOD's, the DOD agent, Jessica Biel's character, it's Jessica Biel, right? Yeah. Yeah, gets a phone yeah. call from him. And his little profile picture is just his picture from the po- from the movie poster. <laughs> I noticed that. Which I is actually noticed that while watching shit. it this time. Like you can literally see that it's got like explosions in the background and all this kind of stuff. It's just it's literally just him cropped out of the poster. And I was like, that is the funniest shit. Like, why did they put that in there? Surely either yeah. either you had another photo of Bradley Cooper from that movie you could have put in that looked a bit more real. <laughs> or don't have a photo. Just have it say his name. You know what I mean? <laughs> or just get him to send a selfie. Yeah. Like, it doesn't doesn't matter what he looks like because it could be from a different moment in his life. You just, <laughs> hey, Bradley Cooper, when you get a second, could you just send us a selfie so we can insert it in here <laughs> so it like looks more has, natural? He has his own promo image of, like, himself. It's so surreal. It is very bizarre. Um... No, I it, it that made me laugh fucking I think more than any moment, which is unintentional. <laughs> but um, I but lo- he's a he's a really good cast for it. I like I liked him as a uh, I liked him as it's a different kind of face man, but I think it really works for this yeah. like version of the film. They give him that kind of scoundrel with a heart of gold kind mm. of vibe, where like oh he's kind of a piece of shit, but oh but Jessica Biel, like you were the one woman who I you know when I wanted to take things seriously you walked away and all this kind of stuff and it's like oh the the old the old boy's got heart you know what I mean the, the, <laughs> you know he may he's seem not like a so douchebag but he's not so bad he's got feelings you know what I mean yes he's just like all of you <laughs> non-attractive people watching the movie <laughs> <laughs> he's just one he's just one of the guys isn't he really um so well I get I so I guess that the one who had the probably the most the, maybe the biggest challenge i don't know the, the the most to live up to i guess is like because even if you've never seen an episode of the a-team you know mr t like you know yes. that character so i guess he's the one who has i guess like people know him the most and they know how he yeah. should be even if they haven't seen the movie um how do you feel oh what is i've totally blanked on his name i've had his name the whole time is it Quinton Rampage Jackson. Yes, I can't remember if that's his Quincy. Uh, I can't remember his first name. Who is an MMA fighter? Yes, yeah. I believe, or a boxer. We've done... no. He's a he's no no no. He's he's not a boxer. He's one of the. I can't I can't remember if it's MMA or UFC, but it's one it's one of them. Yeah. Um. How do you feel about his character? I think he does a good job. I think it's it, again it's slightly different. It's modernized and it's more yeah. muted than mr t but it's I feel a lot like more toned down you yeah. couldn't have like yeah you couldn't have matched mr t's like level um but i think his sort of more muted performance and then but he is still ready to go into like the rage stuff like um when it's necessary i think that works um and i think he i i feel like he's as good as you could have got for like replacing mr t um i liked it i, I liked i liked it he was like you clearly wouldn't fuck with him. You, mm. He would clearly beat you up. But he is, again, like a heart of gold kind of person. Yeah. You believe the sensitive side of him. He definitely he definitely has the same kind of vibe. And, like, manages to actually, as more muted as his performance is, he does capture, like, some of the kind of mannerisms. But it's like, yeah, yeah they couldn't... They can't put him in jewelry... Like, they can't put him head to toe in jewelry in this movie. You know what I mean? No. They kind of, you know... 
I guess the way they try to get around that is like they have things like he has pity and fool tattooed on his knuckles. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's like that's there. Okay, like we still have to make this character seem like a little bit ludicrous. So we'll go, I guess we'll go with this approach. I was always under the impression, correct me if I'm wrong, isn't I pity the fool, isn't that line from Rocky 3 and not the A-team? Yeah, I believe so. If I remember right, that that does sound correct. Like it's yeah, because that's where Mr. T blew up. That's that's the performance he like became famous. That that was the film that the producers watched, in which they were like, "Let's put this guy in a TV yeah. show." Um, yeah. So I did always. So I guess that's more of like, I think that that's almost the weird thing about Mr. T. It's like Mr. T, the person, B.A. Barakas, and like Clubber Lang have all sort of melded together into like one yeah. person in everyone's minds. You know what I mean? um yeah. but yeah i like i genuinely like i i really like him in this film like i like mm. i said it for for being you know a much more kind of toned down part of the most ridiculous part of that show i think he does a really good job um i think he does his introduction is fun the really showcases like the kind of the, that opening sequence with him getting his van back i think really really shows like the time that this movie was made like 2010 where i think you've kind of got like your transformers movies are pretty big and stuff yeah because the directing yeah, I see what you mean the directing style of a lot of this film especially like some stuff at the beginning has a very michael bay feel to it like very michael bay. i see what you mean yeah which i think is really bizarre i mean it's not it's bizarre and it's not bizarre whenever i think of joe carnahan i always think of the gray um yeah which I think I genuinely think is a terrific film, um, about kind of like man's internal relationship with violence and man versus nature and all this kind of stuff and man's relationship with God and it's all just great. It's all great. That's the excellent. That was that was impression. that's the title of my dissertation on the Grey. Um, uh, yeah, I think the Grey's terrific, but the the, the Grey is nothing like this. You know what I mean? No, no. But. I realized that Joe Carnahan, I think, also directed Smoking Aces, which is very like this. <laughs> um, yes. So, uh, but yeah, I, I was like, I guess it kind of makes sense that they brought him on for this because it's clear they're going for a Michael Bay thing, well, a Michael Bay vibe, but they don't, they're not going to get Michael Bay for this. You know what I mean? He's off the Transformers. No. <laughs> but you've got things like... Um, like the, the the fast cars a big one like the one of the very first shots of the movie is that this fucking i don't know what kind of car it is don't know anything about cars there's an orange car looks nice like rolling into shot um you know what i mean it's like you, you give you yourself have like away. a lot of like slapstick humor like with a face like rolling down the hill and the the yeah tires and stuff and it tires yeah. yeah it it the best way that i could think to describe it was like it is like a coherent michael bay film which is a nice that's a that's a compliment you watch it and you don't at least for the first half we've already talked about how complicated it gets the second half but in terms of just like the the amount of stimulation your brain is getting from a michael bay movie that it, you, you almost feel like your your head is on fire you don't <laughs> you get like everything that his films have but without that kind of yeah because he's He's an interesting visual director, Michael Bay, isn't he? Because he is like his his shots um, are like really really beautiful shots. They're just put together in a way that's 
frazzles your brain as you're trying to watch it. Mm. But like he is a visual, like a beautifully visual director. Um, so it's to get that, but also make it coherent is like a compliment. Yeah, I think like there's a, there's a moment in terms of like the kind of weird slapstick humor and stuff, and not even slapstick humor, just the humor. There's a moment that really sticks out in this movie, which is the the gun fumbling scene in the car. Yes. There's a there's a moment in this movie where uh Lynch and his men have uh what was it? Pike Pike they have Pike uh held hostage in a car and one of the guys in the car goes to point a gun at Pike but he can't get the silencer on and mm. they're all kind of going he's like oh what are you doing like this is this is ridiculous and then the guys try to put the silencer on and he puts the gun between his legs but it's pointing at his head and he's trying to put the <laughs> silencer on and Lynch is like have you got that you, you okay buddy and stuff like that and I was just like this is it's a it's such a surreal like did they improv this <laughs> it's a scene it's another one of those ones that's supposed to highlight that the cia aren't they're not like they're not real men they're not they're not yeah. elbow grease men they're they're paperwork men and look look they're trying to kill this actual pa- um real man but he has to tell them how to do it like pike has to tell them like no 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 you put that to my head right there like do that like do, if you're gonna kill no don't let me be killed by this guy i can't be killed by this guy it's too embarrassing mm-hmm. um which is like it yeah it's to boil towards their theme which is kind of a michael bay theme as well michael bay is quite a uh, oh no you've got it's the elbow grease military you you root for not the bureaucracy yeah. uh agency kind of people his films are all very american flag waving like support the troops kind of stuff yeah yeah uh to like the most extreme way that you can uh but yeah it just it just stood out to me it's a weird fucking scene i kind of love it for how weird it is um <laughs> it's a very strange it, it just feels like it feels so out of place for the rest of the movie it feels like they just made it up on the spot like yeah they all thought they were all in the car and they thought it'd be a good idea so they just ran with it um but uh but yeah it's just that the whole directing style of it is is it's hmm. it's also where i think it kind of uh slips in that second half because i don't feel like the second half has that much style anymore like it kind of it almost feels like the, I don't know. The movie almost feels like it gets bored of itself. Like, yeah. Which yeah. is kind of what I was talking about, where it's like they do all the A team stuff in the uh, in the first, you know, 20 minutes. And then you've got like prison escapes, which is very A team. And then you've got the ridiculous, or you've got the whole kind of like, oh, them making a plan and everything going according to plan, you know, the very A team thing. And then you've got, which all kind of crescendos in this fucking falling tank sequence which is incredible i love that tank sequence Mm. it is like it is big budget hollywood goofiness at its finest i think yeah because yeah you've got all four characters who you're at this point loving loving the dynamic you put them in this situation that is just completely out of this world and just watch them all do their thing in that situation yeah it's great to watch the whole idea of them trying to pilot the tank by firing the gun so the tank like flies to the left um that all ends in them crashing like the, there's the guy fishing and he's throwing dynamite in the river and the the dynamite's blowing up the fish and then suddenly the fucking big tank missile comes <laughs> down and that's just brilliant and then it feels like the movie goes oh we've kind of done everything that we wanted to do with this so, yeah it's like we've run out of the a team now we have to do something else yeah and uh, the the sequence i think is especially boring is the um 
is the uh the 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 sequence where they're trying to get the suitcase out of the building and they yeah. so they like attack the button and it's a whole bunch of stuff of like running on wires and all this kind of thing and i was just like this could just be any movie man any movie that i've seen mm. in my lifetime that i've completely forgotten even existed you know what i mean yeah um and it's kind of the same a jason like, Stephen one yeah yeah genuinely um I mean, fair play to them. It's the one. It's one of the few times in the movie where things don't go according to plan. It, where Hannibal gets the briefcase shot out of his hand, and I was like, "Oh my god, something's gone wrong for the first time <laughs> in this movie." Um, don't worry, I anticipated being shot in the hand. But yeah, um, yeah, like I said, it just, it just, it, and then it just becomes very muted. It doesn't feel like it has a lot of style after that point, and mm. it just feels like I said, very just it could just blend into any other movie that came out around that time that no one talks about anymore. And maybe that's a reason, like maybe the reason there's just a, that tiny little glimmer from people like us is just because it's the A-team. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I think the first half captures the A-team so beautifully. So like there is just, there is just like, oh my God, you were so close. And then like you had to then do a movie mm-hmm. and then you didn't really want to do the sec like the other movie you had to do in this. So it's frustrating um going back to ba a bit um i think one of the other things that's kind of uh i didn't like as much was the because the ba is the one who he has a big character arc that's related to the tv show if he when he comes out of prison he doesn't want to kill anymore yeah he's against killing and that's obviously a big thing because as you said earlier the tv show they would they did not kill anyone mm. and uh that that kind of adds to the tv show because it makes it so fantastically they have to come up with fantastic ways to try and defeat the bad guys without killing them um and like i like that ba comes out and you really get that sense like he the rampage jackson really plays it well with this sort of man who's like no look i'll help you but i've, I've, I've really i've really this is really troubling me some of the stuff i do troubles me and i feel like going to the end and that big moment where like they're in the the the, the was it the what do you call it the crates yeah the, with all yeah. of the giant crates and then like BA comes out of nowhere and like fucking drops on top of Pike, yeah. the bad guy, uh, and fucking kills him. And then that's a big moment. The music whirls and Bradley Cooper's like, whoa, yeah, BA's back. And I was like, ah, this feels like any film could kill people. Mm-hmm. Like any of these action films could kill people. Wouldn't have been so much more interesting if like the end, the A-team decided, no, let's not kill anyone. BA's right, we shouldn't kill anyone. And then you make a big Hollywood blockbuster um, action sequence where nobody dies. And that's like your interesting yeah. thing about this film. I feel like they're building... And I don't mind the idea of them exploring that because I do think that they they, they try and handle it sensitively with BA. Um, what, the, the, what, what it ends up being is just a Gandhi quote-off. It's like, I know a yeah. Gandhi quote. Well, I know a Gandhi quote. I know a better Gandhi quote. Like, we've both been on i don't know quotesopedia or something yeah <laughs> none of us have probably actually read about gandhi but we've we know his quotes um but like I, they could have done it in that way but i feel like they it was it was a bit wasted like you could you could have just leaned into it i feel like it would have been so much more fun if you'd leaned into the fact they shouldn't yeah kill. well because they, they it seems like they're really going for that <clears throat> with the whole that you know they're setting up the dev the the this whole thing where they're going to move the crates around and they're going to throw off Lynch, so he's going to it's going to confuse him, and then they're going to be able to set him up. And it seems like they're going to get away with that without using violence. And the only reason they really have to resort to violence is because the 
the guy has, Pike has the rocket launcher and blows the crates up, and that kind of hmm. sends everything off balance. But yeah, it does seem like they they could have easily gone down that route, but instead it's just like I guess their whole thing is oh no actually because the whole thing with the Gandhi quotes is like one Gandhi quote is like oh I can't remember the, I can't remember the quotes off by heart but one of them is basically oh, like, I, I, I've got them here if you oh, want okay. them yeah go for Vic- it Mis- uh, BA's one is victory obtained by violence is tantamount to defeat for it is momentary yep so that's their one being like violence bad yeah and Liam Neeson's um, retort is it is better to be violent if there is violence in our hearts than to put on the cloak of non-violence and cover impotence. Which is their way of going, yeah, a little bit. A little bit of violence, though. <laughs> a little bit. No, but it's, it's, it's you're like, well, if you're a violent person, BA, I mean, it would be worse to just not be violent. Just to yeah. pretend you're not I violent. I mean, why change but... when you could just be the same? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's also the fact that it, it really does build it up as a character moment for BA. It's like he jumps from a crate, fucking breaks Pike's skeleton in half, and then Brad and then like the music swells up and Bradley Cooper's like, hey, BA's yeah. back. And it's like that is that is like that's his character arc dropping onto somebody. Yeah, I <laughs> like, know. Yeah, just fucking <laughs> just slaughtering somebody. Dropping someone the, on their the character head. One of the characters who's well known for being a non, like, like a sort of sensitive um, non-killer. Oh, though, look at him drop from a crate and just fucking snap somebody in half. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, oh, I feel like this is a little bit mean spirited for a film that's doing so well in every other aspect of capturing the A Team spirit. Mm. Yeah, no, I, I, it, it's an odd moment, like for sure. <laughs> Um, especially because then after that they still kind of manage to achieve their goals without really killing anyone else. It's just that one guy. Yeah, that's the only piece of... And they only kill Pike to prove the point that BA should kill him. Could kill him, yeah, totally. (laughs) Which, like, it seemed like he was going to do it anyway at one point when when they're pointing guns at each other. uh, Yeah, I don't know. Um, Yeah, I guess the only character we have left to talk about is Murdoch. Murdoch, who is great for the first half of the film. Yeah, much like everyone. Uh, And then... Yeah, and is then weirdly they just stop writing him as Murdoch. They completely, like, yeah. They, I think he gets hard done by the most. We already talked about it earlier, where he gets completely sidelined in the last act. Um, but yeah, he kind of he also becomes like very muted in that last chunk. Like he's just hmm. very, very just normal, even though. For the rest of the film, he's genuinely been crazy. Like, you just never know yeah. where this fucking guy, where you're meant to be aiming <laughs> with him. Um, which is uh, really interesting. Charlotte Copley is is so interesting to me. Because, like, his first movie, he, you know, District 9, his first movie, he plays this very, like, nerdy, anxious character and it's like it's almost like he wanted to go out of his way to not be typecast as that so then his next role is the a-team and he plays murdoch which is this just fucking wild wild character then his role after that i'm pretty sure is elysium which is even fucking crazier like he's Hmm. crazy which i'm gonna talk about because i watched it last week and it's almost like and now when you watch him he's in films like free fire where again he's like this kind of whoa he's like crazy you don't know where you don't know you know what this guy's about 
And it's almost like in an attempt to avoid being typecast, he is now typecast in a completely... <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, no, I get what you mean. It's such an odd career. Um, incidentally, I watched The Elysium um, last week. Uh, just literally, right. literally, I just wanted to put something on that was like, I could just have on. I was like, I remember this. I'm just going to chug it out. It's fine. I'll watch this. That film is like a 5 out of 10, right? Right. Charlotte right. Copley's performance is like... <laughs> 10,000 out of 10. It is... He's on wow. another fucking... He's on another fucking plane of existence in that movie. It's wild. Like, he he's just like... He's so aggressive. Every line is just like... Just fucking weird as shit. He looks mental. Like, he's got this huge, like, filled-in bushy beard. He walks around in, like, a big cloak all the time and stuff. Um, He's... It's just... It's so weird. His character's introduced barbecuing on a roof and he's screaming down at the people below him in south in his like south african accent and he's like oh you guys want some beer and he's just chucking beer bottles at people uh <laughs> and it's genuinely like it's not a great movie but like there, there's there, there's something just so wild about his performance compared to anything else in the movie that i would strongly recommend anyone watch it purely for him like purely for his character and his acting in it he's 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 fucking tremendous <laughs> i love every minute of it um but yeah that he it's that is just yeah so far removed from how he started um yeah i think he does a brilliant job of him for the most part yeah like for that when that the script half. allows it yeah, yeah yeah um i think he gets some of the best lines i love the that's how we get rid of heat seekers gents we go cold and he just turns the fucking <laughs> yeah. helicopter off and lets it fall that's, that's a great moment I love that he is responsible for BA's fear of flying. That's like a great uh, <laughs> little sequence. Um, but yeah, um, I just I just hate how sidelined he gets by the movie. Yeah, because even in in the second half, even when he speaks, he stops being um, he stops being wacky. He's very serious. And then they, when he gets shot in the head, like he gets shot in the head, but he's he's covered, his head is covered in like melted down bulletproof vests. Mm -hmm. uh, the hit is apparently so hard he feels sane, but it's like um, I don't know, man. You've been sane for the last half hour. Yeah, like you've you've been pretty pretty sort of mundane and pretty normal. Like um, I, I feel like that that sort of nod to oh, is Murdoch putting it on or isn't he? I'm like, um, I don't think you needed that. He like you, you get a mixture of both in this yeah. film, and for the for the second half, yeah, he's just he's just a normal guy. He's just one of the team. But again, yeah, it's like it's like the film just gets bored of itself again, hmm. and they get bored with him, and they just stop having him do crazy stuff and say crazy things, and it's hmm. just like, yeah, he's just he's whatever. He's the pilot. Oh, should we write like a sequence in this last action sequence where he's in a helicopter or anything? Nah, don't worry about it. Just fucking forget. Nah. It. We just need to get this done. Let's just get it done. Um, it does feel like that doesn't it incidentally the start of the whole uh moving the crates sequence and then the fireworks go off and the cars drive out of the crates that's what i imagine fast and the furious live is like <laughs> <laughs> like that's how i imagine what is it overkill is um oh, what's the fuck i can't fucking remember hannibal's line it's like why do we need this many fireworks because ba overkill is 
understated. I can't remember what it is now. No, I can't remember. Wish I hadn't. I wish I hadn't tried to bring it up. <laughs> yeah. Well, you tried. I'm not gonna edit <laughs> that. Um, I I kind of feel like we we went into this like this kind of bit talking about the characters, but I actually kind of feel like we've covered pretty much the yeah. whole movie. Like I've I I feel like I'm looking through my notes and I'm like I think I've said everything I wanted to say. There's nothing I've kind of missed. Um. Um. I watched the I watched the pilot for the A Team afterwards just to compare it because I was like I wonder that's how they introduced the characters there right and uh, it was it was like it's pretty typical of the show um, it was kind of funny to watch it it's actually an hour and a half so it's pretty much a movie in itself mm. uh, it's funny that you read the the a journalist mentions at the start that General Morrison um, gave him the the um, order to do this mission mm. uh, and then died so it's cool that they they got that from the pilot episode. Uh, but uh, the thing that got me was that uh, Hannibal was a master of disguise in the TV show. I'm glad they cut that, especially because oh, in they... the pilot episode, in the pilot episode, he pretends to be a Chinese launderer. Of course he does. <laughs> and it's, it's not great, especially for a guy who was in Breakfast at Tiffany's, which isn't well known for its Asian representation being great. Mm. Um but like, I think what's most ridiculous, what's most ridiculous on the TV show is that the journalist, he pretends to be the Chinese laundrette, is fooled. And then later on, he smugly reveals it. He's like, oh, he says like a line that the Mr. Lee, the Chinese laundrette said. And she's like, oh, my God, that was you. <laughs> <laughs> of course it was fucking him. <laughs> because it's so obvious it's so absurdly obvious when you're watching the tv show when yeah. it comes to this overacted over exaggerated chinese with brackets man. <laughs> and then later on oh it was me yeah no shit was <laughs> so, i'm glad they dropped the master of disguise stuff yeah there. well the they have that act. they have that one scene where they're all in disguise um, where they're going oh, is that the when airport. they mix it up? Yeah, where they yeah, go to the airport. That's a, and... that's a weird comedy. The whole joke of that scene is that Shalata Kupli's not black. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> but he knows Swahili. It is odd in that in that scene, though, that obviously they've got uh, B.A. Barakas and Murdoch very dressed up uh, to get the glasses. So exaggerated. Whereas Face is just dressed as himself. And Liam Neeson, <laughs> Liam Neeson just has his hair dyed black and just looks like regular Liam Neeson for a minute. Yeah. Like he looks like Liam Neeson in Walk Among the Tombstones or something. It's really weird. <laughs> um, it's almost as if like they couldn't be bothered dyeing his hair that day and they were just like, oh, we'll say it's part of his disguise. It's fine. Like, <laughs> ah, easy, done. But like, yeah, BA's done up in like a like a stereotypical, well, maybe not stereotypical, but very traditional yeah. African garment. And Charlotte Coupley is like, really dressed up as like a stereotypical jew and then uh oh the passports are mixed up and the the apparently these passports don't have photos for some reason mixed yeah up which was weird two... as well i was like what is this bit i just <laughs> the two customs officers think they're the opposite person and so ba is just like oh yeah i, I converted to jewish and uh the other custom tries to speak to charlotte Copley in swahili and then, like, there's this moment of what's going to happen. Oh, no, shit. How many guards is there around? We're going to have to start taking them out. And then it turns out Murdoch knows Swahili. That's 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 the whole it. scene. <laughs> it's a joke scene that's, like, it goes on slightly too long. But, yeah, it, it feels like, like if you were sat writing that joke, 
immediately someone would go, oh, but wouldn't the passports have pictures? And you go, oh, yeah, fuck, you're right. This doesn't actually work. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. It's odd, man. But again, that's in the second half of the film. That's when they had stopped trying to be clever and they were just like, I don't know, put them in a disguise. They used to wear disguises in the old show. Like, that's fine. Um, Yeah. Uh, I'm glad they they toned that down, though, because I don't think... George Papad's like, Hannibal's really smug. Like, really? Like, you're like, oh, I just want to punch you. You're so yeah. smug. Um, um, but yeah. The final note that I have that we uh, haven't covered is in all caps, I just wrote, surprise John Ham cameo. Um, yeah. Which is very setting bizarre. Setting up for the sequel. Yeah, it's, yeah, setting up for the sequel. It's also just so strange that he's in it for like a minute. Um, uh, At that point, you know, he was big on the fucking Mad Men, like, train. Uh, I think the town came out in 2010 as well, which he's like a big part of. It's just odd that he's just in this little scene. But yeah, I guess it was for sequel purposes, which they never ended up doing. Yeah. Which apparently. Well, cause... Oh, sorry. Go for it. Oh, sorry. I was going. All I was going to say is Lynch is a uh, um, the main antagonist of the TV show, and I like the idea that like the 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 CIA just Lynch is just a name used yeah. in the CIA. It's just a code name, and then John Hamm comes in, and it's kind of a, it's a fun reveal where he's like. Well, I didn't catch your name, John Ham. Uh, oh, it's Lynch, and you're like, ah, he's the antagonist now. Yeah, he's the bad guy. Um, it and I, I, I kind of looked into, I guess, the burning question off the back of that: why was there no sequel? I kind of looked into it, and it literally just boils down to money. It just didn't make yeah that much or as much as they thought it would. It didn't make a lot on like home release, and yeah, like we talked about, like it kind of just it kind of just sizzled out and nobody really cares about it anymore. Like, nobody really talks about Except it. Except us. Except us. Who, I almost feel like with this rewatch, I've, like, tarnished my image of it. I'm kind of like, where I used to be like, oh man, the AT movie's great, like, super underrated. I don't get why nobody talks about it. Now I'm like, oh man, the AT movie's great, super underrated, don't know why nobody talks about it for about the first hour and ten minutes. <laughs> After that, I feel like real the boring. The film's going to always have a fondness for me. It's so annoying they couldn't have got a sequel because they could have, like, like a sequel where where they just did like uh, like an episode of the show and it was a like oh it's a bully there's this bully in the, who's been bullying this town but now the A team come in and they have to try and sort this bully out but Colonel Lynch is like behind him trying to capture them like you could have done something fun with that yeah like it, it feels like a sequel could have really solved that problem mm-hmm. like they could have like done a sim- quite simpler story because they weren't tied down to this like origin story which they felt they had to need yeah. to do and it feels like such a waste of these four characters who like these four actors playing these characters who did such a fantastic job yeah but what are you gonna do we'll just we'll, I, we'll, I mean everybody knows we're currently sitting on a fucking spec script for the a-team too <laughs> <laughs> 10 years later they yeah, do it's... say that in the pilot show in the pilot show they say that it's 10 years after the they were in the vietnam war so yeah there you go so now's our time and they're all on zoom right now no. <laughs> um we can patch them in finally but anyway i think that's uh, that's it for this episode um sorry about all the technical difficulties at the beginning and stuff we, we, uh, we yeah tried, we tried to as... we tried to hold this episode together as much as we could in spite of the many difficulties that we had um i hope it's more coherent than the second half of 18 got him um Unfortunately, unlike the A-Team, there was a sequel to Lockdown. Uh, um, 
but yeah it wasn't uh, as good as the original we don't really have a schedule for these right now just because as demonstrated they're kind of a pain to record this way so we're just mm. kind of making episodes when we kind of have a have a little taste for it uh philip we'll do a christmas one. yeah we'll do a christmas we'll do a one christmas one that'll round out the that year that might be the next one that might yeah, yeah that's probably I'd gonna be the probably next fair one so we'll do assume. a christmas one um but yeah, until then, Danny, but, where can people find us if they were so inclined? If you're if you're celebrating the tenth anniversary of the A Team, you can come celebrate with us at Twitter <laughs> and Facebook at Second Opinion. That's second with a two. We can't wait to see all of you. <laughs> the second lockdown is over, people are going to be we're, we're we're all rushing out to the streets. But no, we're going to be having people over for the A Team party. Where we all watch the first <laughs> hour and ten this? minutes of the A Team, and then. We... <laughs> Would you celebrate this for twenty years? Even even if we've stopped doing this podcast, we'll come back yeah, for we'll, the twenty we'll, year we'll anniversary. Have, yeah. Um years from now we'll actually be like the like the flying like the flying hellfish in terms of we'll be the only two people <laughs> who are still fans of the A Team movie and we'll meet up like in front of Joe Carnahan's grave <laughs> with, well, the, with the tattoo. Piece. Yeah. Yeah <laughs> the tattoo. Um but yeah, uh, until next time, eat your J.K. Simmons, everyone. Eat your J.K. Simmons. See you bloody next time. I love it when a podcast comes together. Good, you did it. You did it right at the end.